Stock Dads are back for season two of their hit podcast, Stocks and Sandals. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to build generational wealth. So tuck in your t-shirt, put your Crocs in sport mode, and let's grill up some profits. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Zabala. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I have not seen DJ in a little bit. And it's it's mostly because our last handful of episodes we've needed to reschedule for one reason or another. But uh, I'd like to say it's good to see your shiny head again, but it's not really. But <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering if you were going to go the nice route with that or the not, and I should have yeah. known. No, um, never the nice route. <laughs> never the nice route. Uh, that's all right. Yeah, it has been a while. It's been a, a wild month for sure. Yeah. No, we're excited to be back, as always. I love getting in here and meeting new people and you know learning new things and all that kind of stuff. And today we have a pretty special guest who I think is a very wise soul and has a lot of knowledge to share with us today. And, and our topic is going to be very kid oriented, right? So how do we teach kids about money? How do we know if as parents or as, you know, men, if we're ready to have kids, you know, or all that kind of stuff financially. So uh, we have Rocky Lalvani. Did I pronounce that correctly, Rockley? You did. Thank you. Awesome. And I said Rockley. So it's yeah. like, you know, so we're going to go Rockley Lalvani. Yeah, Rocky Lalvani is not the easiest name in the world to say, but I like it. It's pretty, it's pretty badass, I think. But Rocky, you know, is going to be talking to us about all this stuff. I'm going to pass it over to intro for himself to kind of introduce himself, but he's got a pretty interesting backstory. You know, he started with nothing. Parents immigrated to the U.S. when he was little. He's basically turned this immigrant dream into a reality, and now he's, you know, living the life. So we're going to kind of pick his brain. Rocky, just tell the people who you are, give them a little background on yourself, what you do, and where they can find you. Sure. So I'm Rocky Lalvani. As you mentioned, I came here when I was two years old from India. Back then, money wasn't easily movable like it is today, and my parents essentially had to start over for the second time. So they came here, they had some family here, and they had about $25. What I watched them do, along with their friends, was over time to kind of climb the economic ladder. They would get together with their friends and they would talk about money. They would talk about how to kind of survive and thrive in the U.S. And money wasn't a taboo topic. Sometime when I was a kid, I realized, hey, I want to be a millionaire. And so I just started learning and reading and trying to figure out the path to that. And I, I set that in motion and I was able to achieve financial success over life. And one of the things that happened is I would look around and I'm like, why aren't there more millionaires? Why aren't there more successful people? And I came to realize that my upbringing was a little bit unusual in that our parents actually had money conversations. It wasn't unusual for them when they got together with their friends to ask how much things cost or how they negotiated or how much other people were making. These were not taboo topics. Mm -hmm. And I even look at my own education. I have a bachelor of science in economics and I have an MBA. Neither of those programs actually taught me about money. They didn't teach me how to build wealth. And so that was one thing that I just kind of found unusual, and now I'm trying to help people to have those money conversations. The other thing that we realized is, and it was something that we saw generationally, what would happen is the first generation would come here, and they would work really, really hard, and they kind of create that base. And then the second generation would come along, which is what I basically am, and they would have tremendous life success. And then the third generation would come along and what would happen is my generation would spoil them. And that generation would essentially blow all the money and then we'd have to start the cycle over again. So we were really, really intentional with our kids to say, how do you grow up with money and wealth, but learn how to handle money and how to make the right decisions? And so that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. That's awesome. No, that's that's really cool and very interesting. I can't wait to dive into this topic because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot more lately and stuff, you know, with 
with my whole journey and stock dads and, and this whole, the whole premise of this show. And all of our listeners know that this is, you know, Mike and I have only been really starting to learn about this stuff and caring about it in the last, you know, year and a half now or so. So, I mean, this is all very new to us. You know, I have kids that are, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and, and, you know, I feel like I'm already behind the eight ball from where I could have been. Um, but it's, it's never too late. And I think that's, what's important. But before we dive into the questions, we're going to try something a little bit new this time. We're going to, we're going to bring the dad joke portion, uh, you know, up to the front and, uh, see if it makes, you know, for, uh, you know, a little better transition because everybody that listens knows I'm horribly awkward with the transition from the serious part to the funny part. So we're, we're going to try this on the other side and just see if, wait, you know, hey, maybe this, this will work better. But mm-hmm. you guys have uh, have jokes for us? Mike, what do you got? You got one? I have one that is somewhat inappropriate. And that's all I have. I only have the one. <laughs> so how do you... How, uh, I, I know, I know. Uh, okay, I'm not proud. Okay, <laughs> but I'm gonna Rocky, go ahead. Rocky, are you okay with the? Are you okay with a little bit of PG-13 rated joke? Whatever here? you do, I'm fine with. All right, we'll just, okay. we'll just, you know, you don't have to like ever share this episode or tell people you're on it. You can just, like, it's, it's just archive it, you know, and, and just pretend like it never happened. All right, go ahead, Mike. All right, with your blessing, I will go ahead. All right, when two people have sex it's called a twosome and when three people have sex it's called a threesome and now i understand why everybody calls you handsome dj <laughs> how many kids do i have? how many kids do i have Mike? <laughs> how many kids do you have yeah let's all right it's okay i like that one that's yeah funny. i thought you know mm-hmm. pretty good that's good that's good rocky you got one for us I do. I do. I do. What do you call a poor Santa Claus? Uh, I don't know. St. Nicholas. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty. That's very dad. That's solid. That's yeah. solid. Yeah. And it, it's on our money theme. So, you know, <laughs> it I'm is. It's, yeah. theme. it's themed. I like it. I enjoy that one. That one's good. Okay. So I'll kind of split the middle. So Rocky's was very like G rated and Mike's was not. Uh, I'll kind of split the difference here. Mine's, you know, okay. So, uh, what kind of teacher doesn't fart in public? What? A private tutor. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. It is. It's That's adorable. Cute. I like. Yeah. I always get so much joy, and I've said this before about your like little giggle to yourself <laughs> when you tell your joke. <laughs> It's the only part that people actually laugh at. Is just yeah, probably. Just chuckling over here. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. All right. Well, so and that was still horribly awkward. So, I mean, doing it at the beginning of the episode doesn't really I help. thought the transition was pretty good, though. Well, we'll see. You know, we'll see what the listeners think. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. Was that horrible, <laughs> equally worse, or the same? You know, let us know. But, all right. That was fun. Lighten things up a little bit. Now let's get down and dirty here and talk about some... Uh, potentially generational wealth shifting conversation here. So I'm going to start off, you know, I already mentioned the topics, really broad strokes here. I guess it's hard to even kind of start with this, but like what what are your priorities when it comes to teaching your children about money? Like what's what's like the first step? How do you how do you even start? The first step's easy. If you want to learn to play golf, And I give you these tutorials and these books and I show you all this educational material. How good do you think you're going to be the first time you swing a club? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. About as good as I am now. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So if you think about it, what what if I didn't give you a tutorial and didn't give you that stuff and I handed you a golf club and a ball and said, "Just, just go swing at it? Right. You'd Mm -hmm. start to get a little practice and you might not be perfect, but you'd start to hit the ball and you'd be in a better place and you kind of find your groove. So when it comes to kids and money, you've got to put money in kids hands. And kids know money. It is. I don't know where this comes from, but they are naturally ingrained with money. And if you think I'm wrong, Take your kid to the store and watch how often they ask you for money and stuff, right? 
two years old, three years old. Give me this. Give me this. Give me this. What we did was to hand the money and say, now you're in charge. And so we started at the age of five. We'd still have conversations before five, but it, at five, we gave them their age and an allowance. So they, they got five single dollars and then they were told one dollar goes to charity. So whatever your beliefs are, however you want to give or however your kid wants to learn to give, that's the, the dollar there. The remaining two get split into two envelopes. One envelope is called savings and one envelope is called spending. And so now your kid has money. They can spend it however they want within limits, right? So we're going to make sure they're not buying inappropriate things, but they are free to buy it. And then the saving envelope, we told them, hey, you're going to start saving. I know you're five years old. This is not money for your car. This is not money for your college. This is money maybe for when you want to buy a house or when you want to retire. So we are putting in such a level of delayed gratification and teaching them to see how things build over time. And what you're really teaching is the power of compounding. And we can go into an example of what compounding looks like if you want. And then basically what happened is the next time we went to Target and my kids wanted something, we went, well, you have money, you buy it. Where did all the emotion go? right? Where did all that gimme, gimme, gimme and all the arguments? It's like, you have your own money, feel free. And I can't tell you how many times the kids would pick up stuff, walk around the store and it was time to check out. They put it back because mm. they have this natural gift of holding on to money. Now, not every kid's like that. My son was worse than my daughter. So they might make mistakes, but here's the bottom line. Who cares if they make a $10 mistake? It is so much better than a $10,000 mistake. And this is also allowing you to have meaningful conversations with your kids. So beyond handing them the money, you got to have conversations. And we did the same thing with gifts. You know, if you get a gift, $50 for Christmas or whatever, let's split it up as well. Put some to savings, some to savings, and you can spend the rest. But it wasn't just automatic. I have, I spend. I think that's really cool. And when you said kids have like are naturally ingrained, like with this ability to like understand money, you know, I think part of it is probably, like you said, there isn't that emotional connection to it yet. You know, like it's not theirs at that stage, you know, or they haven't earned it per se, you know. What do those like conversations look like when you start giving them uh, an allowance or something like that? What does that conversation look like? So one of the things we did, and, and this drives my wife up the wall, because <laughs> the kids <laughs> don't have a lot of money. I'm like, hey, that's $10. That's kind of expensive. And so my daughter would go out shopping with my, my wife, and she'd be like, mom, that's like $50. That's expensive. <laughs> Are you sure it's okay to spend on that? But the second thing that happened, and this is what's more, much more important with both my kids, it was like, hey, let's go to the store. I want Pokemon cards. Okay. How much is a pack of Pokemon cards? It's $2. How many do you get? We get four. Okay. What's that other size of Pokemon cards? That's $10. How many do you get? We get 15. Go, hey, let's go home and check eBay. We get on eBay. You get 150 cards for $15, but you're going to have to wait two weeks, right? What do you want to do? Take candy, right? You, you walk by the register. What's there? The most expensive candy. Do you want to buy that one candy bar here for that a price? Do you want to wait till we go next door to the grocery store and you can buy a bag for this price? Or do you and your sister want to get together and we'll go to Costco and we'll buy a massive bag for this price. You guys. So it fostered them to work together to pool their money. And then there was time that they pooled their money to buy a trampoline. Right. So they're buying a $150 trampoline. It took some weeks of savings, but they owned it. 
they they took the time and they appreciated it. These days you look around, kids have all this crap and they don't appreciate any of it. Mm. So it creates that appreciation. It creates the concept of price shopping, right? And this is going to become much more important when we get to the college level. Mm. And they start to understand that everything is a trade-off and there's trade-offs in time and there's trade-offs in, in, you know, how quickly you can have something and how much money it costs. And they start to learn to make these decisions and they're going to make mistakes and the mistakes are perfect. You want them to make mistakes and then you remind them of the mistakes. So one of the biggest things that would happen is when the kids were little, they would watch TV, right? And the commercial would come on, you know, the toy trucks and they all look amazing and they're flying around. I would sit there and go, Hey, you have that toy, don't you? And they'd be like, yeah, I go, is it that much fun? And they're like, no. I'm like, exactly. You see that commercial? All they want is your money. That's what they're designed to do to take your money. So the kids got that concept. Hey, I'm being told to give my money for this stuff that you're making look cool that isn't. So they're learning to detach from labels. My kids didn't care about designer clothes or designer sneakers. I mean, the kids would mock my my son sometimes. They're like, where do you get those sneakers? He's like, I don't know. I don't care. They're a pair of sneakers. Who cares what they are? And he had enough confidence because he knew the value of money to say, I don't care. I'm not playing your game. Mm. I think that's, that's convicting <laughs> for myself <laughs> um, because so I, I grew up, I mean, I wasn't, we weren't poor by any means, you know, but like my parents weren't super well to do. Uh, they didn't make a ton of money. And like, you know, we had to, they had to say no a lot, you know, to a lot of different things. They never really taught me um, about money a ton because like they, to some degree they did, but not a lot, you know, because their generation, they didn't know a ton about it. Right. So um, now that I have, you know, grown up and, and I have kids and I, make better money than both my parents ever did, you know, much earlier in my life. And I'm able to do these things. I find myself wanting to spoil, not say no to things and, and spoil my children, which, which like you said earlier is, I mean, it, that's not doing them any justice. And, and it's, it's something that I, that I have been cognizant of, but it's something that's so hard for me to slip back into because I can I do I do have the means to do some of these things and it's like you know why like how do you balance that like how do you balance just like being their dad and like letting them have some fun and spoil them every once in a while right but but also setting them up for success in the future and not to be entitled and all that kind of stuff so I think you set boundaries and you decide what the boundaries are and and never make them hard and fast and and always mess with their minds right <laughs> in the sense of playing the game so think about it the first time my daughter stepped on a plane she was in first class so you've got to balance that now most of the time she flies coach my kids have learned that hey our parents are rich but we're poor and so they learn that balance so we keep them safe we keep them with the things they need. We let them struggle for the things they want. And then if we're going on a family vacation to Disney, we're going on a family vacation to Disney, but we're not shopping at the Disney store at Disney, right? Because you can look at the differentials. Now, sometimes might you splurge on one item at the Disney store? Yes, you do. It's much more of an art than a science. So mm. it's not a hard and fast either way, but it's not the norm. And the kids understand that when you splurge, it's something special. It's not an expectation. It's not a right. I mean, my son's in college and he, he always complains to me because every so often I'll see something show up on my credit card. Why am I paying for this umbrella? We told you to take one and you forgot it. He goes, well, parents who have money like you always buy their kids stuff. I go, well, too bad for you because I don't, <laughs> right? Learn to do your own stuff. And so he's learned to negotiate. He's learned to do those types of things. But it it, it is a balance, I think. And, and that's what, what I started with, that third generation, right? So your parents struggled. You're doing well. You want You don't want that kid to struggle. 
you have to struggle. That is how you grow. We don't grow on the top of the mountain. We grow in the valley. And so having those struggles, having those wants and desires is, is important to them. Otherwise, you're taking away from them that, that ability to do it themselves. They, if you let a kid grow up having everything, they grow up with struggles because they don't think they're worth it. They don't know how to do it themselves. And they think that they've essentially been pampered and babied. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. It sounds like a lot. Like I've seen videos of like Shaq talking about this, how he te- like teaches his kids and interacts with them and stuff. And it it seems like he has a very similar approach where it's like, I'm rich, but like you guys are poor. <laughs> it's like you have to figure it out on your own, you know. So it sounds sounds similar, and I think that's wise. So, and it shouldn't be you have to figure it out on your own. It's mm-hmm. like okay, you want X. Let's figure out a way to help you get X. So one might be extra chores around the house. And we always did that for our kids. If you want to earn extra money, here's an opportunity to earn extra money. I'm much more entrepreneurial now than when I was younger and the kids were younger. It's also doing that. Say, hey, okay, you want extra money. Let's go around Saturday morning. Let's go to a bunch of garage sales. Go buy some stuff that you think is cool that you can get cheap and go sell to your friends for double, right? Or maybe clean it up. And so teach them how to make more money. And you can do that with five-year-olds, right? Five-year-old can go around and go, oh, that's a cool toy. My friends would love that. Five-year-old negotiating at a yard sale, dude, it's a winner, right? You can get all kinds of stuff cheap, but it's teaching them to talk to adults. It's teaching them to ask for what they want. It's teaching them to negotiate and figure out math. And if they go to the thing and they they get a buck and they come back and they make $5 off of it, hey, you're teaching them sales skills too. You're teaching them confidence. This isn't just about money. This is teaching them about life. And so you just create the opportunities for them to be able to do that. I'm glad you brought up the uh, the five year old part again, like because that's that's you mentioned that as like your target age to start doing some of this stuff. Um, what do you you know? Two part question: What do you recommend before that? And then how do you scale that these lessons up as they get older? And how do you make them more? Um, thought provoking, I guess, because I mean, it is money is a pretty basic concept when you break it down to the five-year-old level. But as you get older, you know, not only are we now talking about savings and, um, you know, donations and then spending, but also now we're going to probably want to start talking about investing and, and, you know, things like that. So how do you, I guess, how do you manage the, the age differences with your lessons? The older they get, I think the more you bring in. So each kid's different. They're going to grow at their own pace. They're going to be interested in different things at different times. So my son is on Robin Hood. Like, go, have fun, learn Robin Hood, play all the games you want. I don't care that you lose a couple hundred bucks because the list, the, the lessons you're learning are much more valuable. My daughter, on the other hand, no desire to be on Robin Hood. That's not her thing, but she's more entrepreneurial. So she'll buy stuff, make it an attempt to sell it. So she does things her own way. So I think as they get older and they get smarter, you just have to show them more opportunities. You have to take the conversation to the next step. And the other thing you got to do is talk about compounding. So compounding hits in all areas of life. And if you actually understand the power of it and what it looks like, it is phenomenal. So have you ever done the penny doubling story and and actually seen what it turns out to? Yeah. Like I saw a graphic like over a month. It's like one penny could turn into millions of dollars or something crazy. Correct. And so what I've done with my kids is, is they were older and they started earning. We would give them money for their Roth IRAs. So my kids started opening Roth IRAs as teenagers. And what we would do is we would show them, okay, we put $2,000 in your Roth IRA. 
here's what's going to happen to it when it's 65. And they're like, wow, okay, now I see the power of doing this. And they start to learn these different types of financial things. And, you know, they've got stock market games in school and different things. So just keep upping the game, keep going from, because you're also giving them more money every year. The other thing you can do is start to offload money from yourself and onto them. So for example, if let's say the kids all want to buy back to school clothes and, and clothes throughout the year, and they have these expensive budgets, you just come up and go, Hey, here's a thousand bucks. You're in charge of your clothes. Good luck. You know, we'll have conversations throughout the year, but if you're going to blow through stuff or you want to buy something fancy, see what it does to the rest of your, your budget. And where else can you put those kinds of budgets to them? When my kids were teenagers, they were not coming up to me asking for 20 bucks to go here and 20 bucks to go there all the time. It was like, you're going out with your friends, go out with your friends. Occasionally, I'd be like, hey, you're going out with your friends. Here's 20 bucks. So it kind of answers that question from before. You can still show them a little bit of love now and then, especially if they're having a tough time or maybe you reward them for doing well in something. But at the same time, you don't make it an expectation. Like you're slowly teaching them to fly and it, it takes time. So keep upping the game. Keep turning the screws. You know, you said something earlier and I kind of want to bring go back to that because I don't think we talk about this enough. When you were a kid. What were some of the things that your parents said to you about money or when you wanted to buy stuff? Um, I mean, it's well, I mean, it's kind of hard to remember because <laughs> they weren't like deep conversations. But no, uh, I mean, I know that, you know, my father is traditionally more of a spender and he's not as, you know, thrifty with his money. My mother is very much the opposite. Part of the reason why, you know, they butted heads and are now divorced is that, you know, it's an, it's a huge factor in that as well. I don't remember being told no a lot because they just would buy things for me. But I do remember also like seeing how finances made them struggle. So I think they almost went too far to, to try and give me everything that I wanted to the point where they, they, they struggled financially. So uh, that's kind of how I remember it playing out was, you know, they didn't want me to want for anything. And I really didn't. Um, but at the same time, I never really learned the power of money myself because it just was kind of there. And, you know, but I did watch it tear a marriage apart too. So. Yeah. And really quick, like I have a story. It's kind of a interjection. <laughs> um, but I, my, my situation is very similar to DJs. Like my parents were middle class, you know, but I didn't, like want for anything really. Um, the only exception was when I was really little. I remember I wanted an N64 and I really wanted Super Smash Bros, which DJ knows Gosh. all about. It's like the only thing that Mike ever did in college. <laughs> so yeah, I remember it. Picking up for lost time, right? Yeah. And like my parents would not get it for me. Um, and I remember like I would search like um, uh, newspapers and stuff because they do like giveaways where they'd like give away a copy of like an N64 and Super Smash Bros. And like I would go out and try to like enter all these contests and stuff for it. Like my situation was different. I didn't get like an allowance or anything like that. But um, I can definitely see how some of the stuff you're saying translates to like working and like finding ways to be thrifty for, you know, stuff you want. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times people hear that the standard lines, right? We can't afford that. Money doesn't grow on trees. Mm -hmm. Who do you think you are to ask for that? So mm -hmm. if you're saying these things to your kids, you're programming their money scripts. You're, you're planting seeds that in adulthood are going to come out. And you will see adults' money behaviors a lot of times are based on their kids' money behaviors and how they learned to deal with, with money as a kid and the stories that they were told as a kid. And depending on what those stories are, they can cause a lot of trouble in adulthood. Matter of fact, every time I read a psychology book, I'm like, 
this is not a psychology book. This is a parenting book. All these parents screwed up their kids and now they're <laughs> in the psychiatric office 30 years later. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how much that is. So just be careful the words and the stories that you're planting in your kids. So what would be, so let's say, you know, you, especially let's say even before five, okay? Because at, after five, you're starting to use your tactics, right? You know, the if you don't have the money for it, that is what it is. Let's say before five, okay? When they don't fully understand this stuff and it's a little bit over their head, it's still a little bit. How do you, what types of messaging would you say to, to your children when they ask for, because my three-year-old son wants everything that he can touch when we go into a store, right? Right. Um, you know, but rather than saying the things like th that you just kind of mentioned to be careful about saying like, we can't afford it. Money doesn't grow on trees, blah, 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 like that kind of stuff. Well, how, what would you recommend saying to start planting those seeds correctly at a younger age? So when I would take my kids to the store at a younger age, it, like at three, I'd be like, Hey, we're going to the store. Would you like to go look at toys? Yes. Okay. But today we're going to go look at toys. Today, we're not buying a toy. Are you okay with that? Because if you're not okay with that, we're not going to the toy section, right? This is, we're setting the ground rules before we go. And then, of course, they're going to want everything, right? They're, they're not going to remember what they said. <laughs> right. And so it's just going, hey, we said today we were going to look. You know, maybe you want to make a list. Maybe you can ask Santa for this. Maybe we can, you know, put it on your birthday list. Which ones do you think are most important? And you got to start choosing. Well, do you want this or do you want that? We have to choose between them. And then, you know, let's save up or let's do something and maybe we can work to this. So you can also, it, I really struggle with tying behavior to money. Because we're writing those scripts. It's like, you didn't brush your teeth. You lost your allowance. It's like, whoa, now we're, we're creating all of this drama. So I try not to do that um, because I don't want the drama. Um, and I'll be honest, my kids are now late teenagers, early 20s. I forget all the three-year-olds. <laughs> you know, I, I, I honestly, a big part of it is we just didn't take them there. We really tried to keep them away from commercialism. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever you can do to turn off the TV, and, and these days it's, it's devices, keeping kids away from all of this, this noise, because the people on the other side of that are really, really good at figuring out how to make your kid demand stuff. And, and part of it is learning to say no and to turn off the noise and put them in a, we are the average of the five people we hang out with. So be careful where you're putting your kids and be intentional that they're not in a place where everybody else is doing this because then they're going to behave like that. Mm. You said you said something I've never heard before. We're the average of the five people we hang out with. And that means that I immediately need to get Mike out of <laughs> my circle quickly. I need to really reevaluate re quickly. Hey, man, I've been trying to get rid of you for years. It's not as easy as it sounds. I have, it's not. You're right. I'm not going anywhere. Um. No, I wanted to touch on something you'd mentioned earlier, and it kind of plays off of one of DJ's earlier questions too. Um, but how do you go about like teaching them more about like more complex things, like specifically like taxes or like a budget? Like, do you take time with your kid like when they're in their teens and like go over a budget with them, or is it kind of ingrained in them from kind of all the little steps you've taken as they're growing up? Some of it is ingrained. I think the older you get, the more they get involved in your conversation. So I think the biggest way to look at that is college. Here we look at a decision that's going to cost six figures, right? Mm -hmm. We always told our kids, if you're smart enough to go to college, you're smart enough to figure out how to pay for college, right? So no entitlement to college. And then we start to show them how to do different things. So part of it is 
when you look at a college, who's going to give you money, right? How do you get a better um, uh, grant or how do you get scholarships, right? So how do you create your story? All of that starts back in like eighth and ninth grade. So you're having these big money discussions uh, and, and it's more than just, hey, I'm going to hand these people hundreds of thousands of dollars because my kids already know what that means and it's teaching them that. So one of the things that we learned was that your SAT score and your GPA drive scholarships at many schools. So what can you do to improve your SAT score? So my kids would every day they'd have an SAT question of the day. So for one year, they're studying the SAT so that they can get high SAT scores. My daughter was able to get tremendous amount of, of scholarship because of that. So she saw the return on that. Um, have them involved in your personal decisions. So again, we we live a nice lifestyle. We would go out to dinner. They're like, hey, kids, we just dropped $300 on dinner. Was it worth it? How does this compare to that other experience where we had it? Was it worth it? Here's what's going on with this part of our financial life. What do you think? So kind of cluing them in, letting them be part of the shopping process. I, I do real estate. So I would take my kids into the house when we first bought it. And it was a mess. Go, hey, we bought this house for this much money. Okay, we paid people this much money to uh, do the repairs. This is how much we sold it for. This is how much we made in profit. So they know that kind of stuff. They know how we're spending. They know the decisions we're making. It's not done behind closed doors. It's all being done out in the open so that they can see what's going on. And kids are not going to learn from what you say. They're going to learn from what you do. So they're watching your behaviors. They're watching how you spend. So you've also got to be good about your money hygiene. What does it look like to your kids? You've got to model this. You can't go out and buy fancy stuff. And at the end of the month, you're you're arguing with your wife that there's no money left. Right. Then they're yeah. like, the kids are like, you're a hypocrite. You, yeah. you don't know what you're doing. And then you lose respect. So part of it is modeling. Part of it is, is being open to having the conversations. I knew that one day we were going to leave our kids a lot of money. I wanted them to be able to handle it, number one. And number two, I wanted them to, at that point, know how to build their own wealth so that they wouldn't even care. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're in the process of doing is, is raising kids who are money savvy. They made their college choices based on, hey, what is the what is the ROI on going to this school? Is it worth it? And mm. for some kids, college may not be worth it. So do the ROI and say, is it worth it? They did the ROI on, on working. Like they understand, hey, I could go work here for this much money per hour. Or I could do something even better and make a much better return. So they learn, how do I make a better return on my time? Than just that. And the more you can show them and the more that you can share with them and the more you expose them to, the more they're going to learn. Mm. So you touched, I mean, you, you just touched on it, um, which I, and, and I know this is a controversial topic for a lot of parents, um, but paying for your kids um, college. So a lot of times, you know, People want to be able to save up all this money and pay for their kids' school so they don't have the debt, you know, that a lot of people go through. I know you mentioned a lot of things like scholarships and grants and things like that. Those aren't always an option for everybody. Um, so, you know, personal opinion, you know, you, you, have, you have the means to pay for their school, but you're choosing not to, is, is, at least that's what I'm gathering, right? So... It, just walk me through that. Maybe maybe that's not the case, but just kind of what, walk me through your thought process on that whole paying for school or not paying for school. What we have told our kids is go out and get your scholarships, figure out your money, figure out an economical choice, and whatever the shortfall is, we will loan you the money. Interest-free so okay. that you don't have to worry, but you're making wise choices. Right. And you're part of now you're part of the decision because now you can say, um, I don't think I'm going to loan you thirty thousand dollars for basket weaving. Right. Hmm. 
my son is top notch in the technical fields, engineering, computers, software, all this stuff. We went up and looked at MIT. We went out and looked at Carnegie Mellon. And I said to him point blank, they're not giving us any money. And I don't care if you get in. It's not worth 75 or 80 grand a year. This is absurd. Like, you're not going to learn that much different. So he went with a state university that was a fraction of the cost. He also, he graduated high school with 49 credits. So hmm. he he took a year plus off his college bill. He's going to hopefully find a good um, summer internship that will help him pay for some of those things. And at the end of the day, you know, when it's all said and done, if you want to, after they finish and after they do the hard work, if you want to say, hey, uh, forget about the loans, then you have the choice to do that. But they've had to struggle through the whole process, right? And we talked about that earlier. They had to figure it out. They had to work through it. And they had to make choices. And so you're building those muscles and those skills. And at the end of the day, we want to protect our kids, right? We don't want mm -hmm. them to do that. And part of that is like, so with our kids and cars, and unfortunately cars and college are ridiculous these days. We're like, you need to help pay towards the car, right? So we're not just going to give you a car. You come up with so much money and, and you help to pay towards it. And so you've got to figure out the balance that works for you and your family and your kids. They're all different. There's no one size fits all. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I think the, you know, the key takeaway there is that um, I should reach out to your son to be our, our new chief technical officer. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're helps in our business with that. Like when I have yeah. technical questions, like, dude, help me fix this. Yeah. <laughs> right. We need a lot of help in that area. <laughs> yeah. My like headphones I... <laughs> didn't work when we got on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. No, um, that's that's a good points. Those are all good points on on the. That's it's. I think that's a. That's but one of my biggest. Just like struggles with, or, or one of the most challenging decisions that I have had to even think about yet is the whole school and even like private school versus public school. Um, you know, growing up in a, um, you know, a Christian, um, you know bubble i guess and feeling like you you know like you're an outsider if you don't send them to or you're almost like a bad parent if you don't send them to a private school and or, or and then versus the amount of money that you could save and invest over that amount of time for their you know futures and all that kind of stuff that's a struggle for me too so it's interesting it, it is a struggle those are decisions you make of what's best for your kid what i have learned now Looking back, um, I think a couple years in a structured school is a good idea. I am not a, if, if the private schools in your area are affordable, wonderful. If you can find a classical school, even better. Um, but I think once they hit a certain point, which might be around fifth or sixth grade, kids are smart enough to learn on their own. If you pull them out of school and homeschool them, that is the wave of the future because your kids will have the time and the ability to go and be great at the areas that they want to focus on. Most parents get this wrong. They think when you homeschool a kid, you have to be the teacher. No, 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 no. In today's world, just like we're here on, on video in front of the world, my son started taking classes at MIT when he was in eighth grade. It was free. On Coursera, he got about a 15% on his first test. But towards the end of the semester, he was getting 50s and 60s. And I'm like, I don't care if you're getting a 50 on a test. It's a college level, whatever test. Who cares? You're learning. Go out and learn. There are so many resources out there for your kid to learn from. They need to learn how to learn, which is the number one skill. They need to learn how to critically think. Right now, there's more. When I was a kid, information was gold. Today, information is, is garbage. It's everywhere. Learning how to discern and figure out what's good and bad and go find the 
best of the best teachers and learn from them. You don't need to be stuck with your local teacher who may or may not be good. Right. Right. I would rather you go and you learn off the internet and then you go hire your local teacher as a tutor and say, we came back to your tutoring joke, uh, (laughs) (laughs) hire them as a tutor for the areas where they're struggling. Because for the most part, they can learn most of it themselves. Every time they hit a friction point, get a tutor, get me through the friction point. Mm -hmm. Again, mom and dad aren't involved. The kids are being involved. They're taking ownership of their life. They're becoming purposeful in how they do things. Well, that's a really interesting thought. And I will never think of or hear the word tutor again in my life (laughs) the same way. Every time you said it, I wanted to giggle. It's it's like the... (laughs) It's like the new, you know, or the in college. Right, so, so you know now that the jokes have to come up front. <laughs> they gotta. There you go. There you go. There. They just all... ruin the episodes for our, for us. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, no, so I have, a, I guess, kind of a two-part question, and I think this is kind of what I'll wrap up with, at least. Um, so everything that you're saying sounds like super wise and good and like it's got me like amped and everything but like a lot of the stuff with teaching kids about finance and stuff it's like stuff i don't really even know myself you know um so i guess like he wants question, to know if you'll be his dad yeah <laughs> that's, that's i don't what know he about wants to dad know. but mentor me <laughs> so And we're not going to, I coached my kids in a variety of activities, right? I coached Mm -hmm. soccer. I took my kids from a school that couldn't win a game to save its life to being division champs and winning every single game. Okay. Here's the secret. I don't know anything about soccer. Okay. Okay. Ted Lasso. But but what (laughs) I know is how to stay one step ahead of the kid how to look at the kids on their level and see the problems they're having and help them fix that problem. Hmm. So all you've got to do with your kid is stay one step ahead. And when you don't have an answer, admit it and work together to find a solution. That's good advice. Okay. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, and then my second question is maybe really broad, but like, how do you know, like, I don't have kids. Like, I'm a single guy. Um, when I do find a spouse and stuff like that, how do you know, like, when you're financially ready to support a kid? Like, is there a specific stage or, like, what does that look like? So I think the first thing you need to do is to define what your married life looks like in the sense is your wife staying home to take care of the kid? Are you staying home to take care of the kid? What are your expectations? Are we going to private school? How are we doing childcare from zero to five? How are we going to do all of this stuff and sit down and just have honest conversations with your spouse and figure it out? Everything you hear in the news People are spending way too much on kids. You don't need to spend anything like that, right? You can do this on the cheap. You can do this by altering your lifestyle. Okay, I'm going to take this flexible job because then I can have part of the time to watch the kid and you take this flexible job and then together we'll be handing off or maybe you get extended family and you come together as a family unit, which means you might have to move. We In our house, we lived three generations. My wife, mother lived with us. We had built-in babysitting, right? It it made a tremendous difference in our wealth. So I think it's just sitting down and having all these honest conversations and figuring it out and, and setting expectations and being realistic with it and being flexible. Sure. Kids don't really care about money so much. Like, if they're in, if everyone around them is poor, they don't know they're poor. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's good. You you mentioned that your your mother-in-law lived with you and was free babysitting. I've, I've tried that; doesn't work for everybody. No, nope. <laughs> again, kidding. you gotta have <laughs> I know, you gotta I'm have just, yeah. boundaries and yeah. conversations yeah. and yeah, not no, easy. For sure. No, it's not. I I think um, you know I. I 
I don't know that I ever would have been financially ready to have kids, you know, mm-hmm. as far as, cause you, you, you never know what to expect. I mean, you know, they, you know, they could be healthy. They couldn't be, you know, you could have one or you could have six at one time, you know, you never know. <laughs> so I think, you know, I, I agree with Rocky. I mean, from my perspective and I'm not, you know, Rocky's level of, you know, wise and all this stuff. But I mean, I, I think it's very much like what you said, you know, just, being on the same page as your spouse and all that kind of stuff for sure. But well, this has been awesome, Rocky. Um, I think I, I, I could sit here and talk to you for hours, but uh, we're going to have to wrap it up for the, the time's sake um, for our listeners, uh, you know, commute maybe. So they don't have <laughs> to listen to us over too many. Um, but I really appreciate all the wisdom and, you know, got a lot of, you know, really tangible actionable steps and things that i can start right away with my kids and mike you're ahead of the eight ball you're you're doing good and when you got yours you're ready to rock so um i appreciate it rocky tell the people where they can find you do a little 30 second elevator speech you know tell them about richer soul and and you know all that kind of stuff i want i want you to share it because i want people to be able to find you and get more wisdom from you so if you'd like to find me, richersoul.com is the website. And that is also the podcast that's available to listen wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. The tagline is kind of, hey, you got rich, now what? Money is just one part of life, but it is not going to make you happy. And so on there, we have that whole journey of how do you build your ultimate life? And as part of that, occasionally we do talk about kids and how do you help your kids to define and build their ultimate life as well. So check it out. Super, super cool stuff. This was valuable. I know our listeners are going to get a ton of value out of this one. And heck yeah, man, we'll probably try and have you on again at some point. So I'd love to keep picking your brain. And you can adopt me too, me and Mike. We'll just, <laughs> you know, we come come as a pair and, you know, you can mentor, coach us, all that kind of fun stuff. Sounds so, like but- a plan. You're going to have to teach me how to play video games to beat my kid. He's super fast. <laughs> that's that's not me. That might be Mike. So yeah. Mike's forte is the, the video games. Uh, Mike, you mentioned Shaq earlier. I just wanted to test you real quick. Do you, do you even know what sport Shaq plays? I'm pretty sure he's a wrestler. Yeah, big, he's a big wrestler. <laughs> yeah, WWE, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think no. him and The Rock when uh when at it. Go. There you go. Yep, that's that's him. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Rocky. Uh, if you guys uh, have not already joined the Stock Dads community, please jump on our Facebook group. Uh, it's free. Follow us on Instagram. Or if you're ready to take the step and jump in, learn more about investing and trading and all that kind of stuff, check out stockdads.com/plans for our uh, premium Discord, which is also fun. So. But uh, otherwise, I'm going to be checking out Richard Soul with uh, Rocky, and maybe we'll have you back on sometime, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you, Rocky. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it. it up here. Thank you for listening to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Leave a five-star review and join our premium community on Discord at stockdads.com slash plans. You can also follow us on all major social media platforms. But most importantly, stay off the grass.